Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast brought to you by Sports Innovation Lab. As always, I'm your host, Angela Ruggiero, CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. For those of you that haven't heard of us, hopefully you have if you're listening to this, but if you haven't, we are a market research and strategy firm focused on the intersection of sports and tech. So that's what we talk about, sports and tech. And it's really our mission to help the world, help our clients create breakthrough fan experiences through tech. You do that by understanding the fluid fan. You make fans' lives great. Uh, you can do it in a number of ways. We think tech is the easiest and, and best use right now to really appease these uh, these fickle consumers that we're all trying to capture. So uh, if you want to learn more about our research or any of the tools, reports, indexes, data that we have, feel free to visit us on our website, sportsilab.com. So today's episode's a little different than our usual show. Yes, we have an incredible guest and a great interview, uh, always guaranteed. But when we started this company four years ago, we actually started with a pillar called the Quantified Athlete, which was focused on companies that really monitor, measure the athlete, predict performance, prevent injury, really better understand the athlete. We've focused now as a company, as you know, on the fan, the business side of sports. Uh, That's not to say that we don't think about and absolutely do a lot of work in the human performance side, um, that's that's definitely still a piece of our business. However, on this podcast, we've been really focused on the fan. So um, I, I thought it'd be good today to bring in a guest that is actually building a company in this quote unquote quantified athlete space. That's you know really today focused on computer vision, AI analytics on the athlete. So my guest today is Megan Chaika the co-founder of Statleads. She is an expert in the space and she'll walk us through the technology and processes around data collection, analysis, really focused on the hockey player. So I'm, I'm biased on this one. If you had to do, you know, pick one, the first tech that's really focused on this market on this side, uh, you gotta, gotta pick a hockey technology. So I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> so Statleads, if you haven't looked them up, is an analytics and player performance company helping hockey teams and to, to really scout players, analyze statistics, and make data-driven decisions around player personnel. Um, so that's what you'll hear today. Megan and I are going to discuss this absolutely booming market. Think Moneyball in baseball being applied to hockey and really think through how Statleads in particular is dealing with COVID. Um, we'll talk about women in sports business. She's, she's a massive leader in that. And of course, how new data can be used to teach and engage fluid fans. So incredibly excited for this conversation. Let's get right to it. My guest, Megan Chaika, the co-founder of Statleads on today's edition of the Fluid Fan Podcast. All right, welcome everyone to the Fluid Fan Podcast. Today's guest, as you heard, is Megan Chaika, the co-founder of Statleads. Megan, so excited to have this conversation and, and dive into not just tech and data, but hockey. That's, that's <laughs> your, your bread and butter. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So before we dive into the whole conversation of the business of what you're building, just first let the listeners understand uh, what Statleads is, if you can kind of summarize your company for those that haven't heard of you before. Sure. So we're a hockey, you know, data and analytics company. Mainly our 
focused on continuous flow sports and collecting as much data as possible, understanding it from a performance side, but also, as I'm sure you've touched on in, in previous podcasts, it can be anything from, you know, fantasy to fan engagement to sports gambling. So I think, um, you know, we started about over 10 years ago now, not formally, and then incorporated in uh, 2010. So we're going to have an anniversary in December, uh, been around for 10 years. So pretty long for a tech company. But essentially, you know, we service everyone from leagues to teams to players to trainers all over the world. So we work in uh, 22 leagues worldwide collecting data. Awesome. So uh, data is everything as I, you know, I think I wish I retired in 2011. So, you know, I was one, you're oh. just getting off the ground. <laughs> I would have used you though. I love data. I always talk about, you know, your, your bodies, your business data is the thing that propels you. We're, we're pushing that hard on the business side, but certainly on the performance side, the money ball effect, if you will, I think everyone's gotten religion over that. And you're, you know, one of many solutions I think out there across a, a number of, of sports, Tell me about how you conceived the idea. Again, 10 years ago, you've done a tremendous job. You know, I got a, got a name drop, 40 under 40 in the NHL, one of the top 100 power and influencers by the Hockey News. I, I got named to that a few years ago, too. So, uh, there's, only <laughs> awesome. a few women, there's only a few women, so I, you know, totally. I got to yeah. give, give you lots of love there. But, like, people weren't thinking this way 10 years ago certainly not in hockey. How did you conceive the idea and, uh, and tell us how, how the business has progressed from then until now? To be honest, we kind of have an interesting story because we're a bit of an atypical startup. Startup, I say, uh, you know, a bigger company now, but we really didn't seek to, to monetize this or make it a company. You know, we were, I mean, me specifically, um, you know, I was in school and always focused on like math and stats and taking you know, various quant courses and actually ended up working at a Fortune 500 company, you know, on the analytics side, was one of the few people in Canada working with data. So I went to the US uh, and interfaced with a group there that was doing sort of worldwide analysis for this like massive company. Uh, and I just realized that that skill set um, was not only highly desirable in sports, but I think it was a missing link in hockey. So the way the puzzle piece fit for me is, you know, coming from the side of, you know, I was in graduate school when we were uh, pitching it originally, and we had actually pitched different businesses before. So this wasn't even our first business that we were thinking of. Um, yeah, it just sort of blossomed into a, a company that we were already, you know, cash flow positive from day one. Um, so it was a really unique position where we actually didn't have to take on any venture money. We've never taken on investors. Um, you know, the, the core group of executives, we get to chart our own path and put money into what we see as not only profitable, but as interesting and forward thinking as we want to be. So we don't really have many constraints about what we do as a company, which I think is, you know, very freeing and, and exciting as well. So I like to be about 10 years in the future. Uh, I feel like I still am today. So a lot of things that I wish we could have built, we have already built in our building. Um, but I'm certainly have my eye on the prize of, you know, 2030. Love it. And congrats for not raising money. I think that's uh, <laughs> as a fellow entrepreneur, man, in this environment, especially where you got to be nimble, there's opportunities everywhere. And everyone is after this kind of information now, because we all recognize the power of data to, you know, make decisions. And, and in particular, as it relates to the performance of the athlete, this is gold. So Congrats for seeing that a decade ago. 
I, before we dive in again further into stat leads, I want to take a step back. When we started this company, Sports Innovation Lab, we had you know our core pillars. One of them was a, a pillar called the quantified athlete. And we said, look, there's an enormous eruption of new companies, existing companies, building companies like yours that help you monitor measure, predict performance, prevent injury. Literally, we have hundreds of them in our in our software. And they all help, again, the athlete and those that surround the athlete make better decisions. This is not going away. We see the enormous investment in, you know, Apple Watch. And, you know, this is a, this is a healthcare phenomenon now. But there aren't too many that are specifically focused in just sports like yours. Want to name drop a few that, that we're, you know, we follow. Hawkeye Innovations, it's, you know, focused on Soccer, it develops smart cameras to collect performance information and offers analytics. Top tracers doing it in golf. You know, these cameras detect in-depth shots, trajectory, speed, etc. Shot tracker focused on basketball. Again, sensory-based technology that captures basketball stats in real time during practice and games. My point is there's lots of these companies out there and they're all doing it different ways. Some are focused on one sport. Some are focused across many sports. For those that are listening that don't understand the buzzwords, AI, computer vision, what what do you do? Uh, what kinds of technology, if you will, of stats? You know, tell us, get frame up what what the heck Statleets is from that <laughs> perspective, and more not Statleets, but like what are you using to make your product effective? I guess, you know, talking about that more simplistic, I mean, there's a lot of engineers and computer scientists that are, you know, very uh, in-depth on these subjects. And, you know, a lot of that market is being driven by other industries, right? Like security and self-driving cars. Um, And then it's just like taken and used for other purposes. So for the purpose in sports or in hockey specifically, you're just trying to capture uh, motion and data. So you're trying to allow a a computer application or program to record where that person is, how they're moving and have that data set be, uh, you know, understandable on the, on the back end. So, you know, it's a lot more difficult and detailed um, than people probably talk about. So a lot of that, uh, you know, what is captured isn't exactly usable in, in many forms, especially when you look at hockey that's so dynamic, fast moving and occlusions occur very often. So when you, you know, don't see someone in a frame or, you know, your computer application, you know, thinks that this is a person and really it's like a popcorn on the uh, bench, you know, that's an issue. And without, you know, auditing and, you know, working through um, any bugs in your program, uh, the data is not that great. So a lot of people are trying to like blend uh, different types of technology to create better, richer, smarter data sets. And that's where, you know, I have focused on a lot. Um, I'm not an engineer, but I love working with our engineering groups. So uh, that's, you know, in the future and to be better and smarter and faster is sort of my, my three-pronged approach essentially to what I want to do with capturing data. And I know a lot of the tools or a lot of the techniques that we use now, they'll probably be better ones in five years. So it's about being like nimble enough that you can recruit people uh, to help build this type of software. Love it. Maybe you can share with the listeners 
how you see the market in general taking off, especially since you've been in the business for 10 years, you're, you know, you're not, you're definitely not a startup anymore and why it's exploding and why there's so many opportunities for you. I think because a lot of people want to invest in these type of companies that can, you know, go down to a consumer market as well, right? As you said before, data is not just for an athlete, it's for an everyday person to understand health and wellness. So I think anything that you develop can be then uh, monetized at a different level. But we've definitely invested in, like I said, in the future. So we're leveraging everything that we can from, you know, CB, AI, machine learning, deep machine learning to build exactly what we want for hockey. And I think the one interesting thing that, you know, you might have not touched on before is, you know, hockey is a really difficult sport uh, for data. So you have a lot of white jerseys on white ice, uh, very fast. The puck is very small. Uh, It's occluded often, right? You can't see it. So a lot of these applications that are in uh, baseball or like golf is a very good one because you can have someone in, you know, basically a clinical type of environment and see their swing perfectly. And this technology will be amazing, but try to implement that in, in an arena, you know, very challenging. So I think the issue with a lot of pitches or a lot of sky in the pie marketing is that the actual technology uh, just doesn't work very well. It's not that accurate and the data is not very good. And because the data is not very good, any sort of decisions you make upon that, you know, if you think that this is actually a shot and it's really a pass, well, you know, that if that happens once a game and there's 82 games and there's, you know, 31 teams playing, that starts to add up quite quickly in terms of like error. For us, we thought that being more niche and being very specific will allow us to solve these complex problems. And we don't have to have the margins and the profits that we can turn back to investors and just try to go hard at the market. We can be really smart about what we develop and we can look long-term as well. Because as you know, you know, the area of AI or whatever you want to call AI, you know, a lot of people just, I had one professor a couple of years ago that just said, say statistics. Like if you're saying AI, just actually describe what you're doing. You know, is it just like a regression model that you're talking about? But you mm-hmm. want to say AI to sound, you know, brilliant and like your company's the best. <laughs> so, you know, I tend to do that too, where I replace AI in my head with like the actual, <laughs> whether it's a model, whether it's, you know, a technology, you know, have a, a bit more understanding of, of what's being implemented, like you said, and not just like, you know, very tech jargon uh, that yeah. you think will sell. Um, Statleets is a good name. Then you picked, you picked a, you picked a a seller there (laughs) and it's broad. Again, I I'm curious, you said you're niche and focused, but can you take this, you know, some of the analysis that you've done and apply it to, to other sports in the future? Definitely. I mean, we've already done things like lacrosse and very similar, even soccer, very similar. So you solve the complex sports, the easy sports, the ones that, you know, you, you have a big ball, you have a very big, uh, pitch that they play on, you know, players are are not moving very fast when they're just like trotting. So soccer is a lot easier than, than yeah. hockey for, yeah. for obvious reasons. So I think, you know, you can, uh, you know, if you solve those problems for the hard sports, the easy sports, you know, fall into place. With that said, you know how specific hockey is, you know, it's not like, I would say a sport like soccer, it's just more, I don't even know if it's just more known, but even like the event types are a bit clearer, right? To the average everyday person. Yeah. Whereas hockey so nuanced in some ways. So we've had to be very clear about how we track, event, record, look at data, what types of models we make, what's included. 
and be really specific um, yep. to whatever clients or whoever is the end user. Because I think the worst thing is, and we were getting to that as well, is using data, trusting these companies, and they're giving you bad data, or it's yeah. like completely wrong for whatever reason from what your interpretation of this event is. Totally. Yeah. We, we, you know, our big saying, don't use tech for tech sake. Don't use data for data sake. Like it's gotta be accurate. You know, we're all in the earlier stages of this whole market, but yeah, be skeptical. I agree with you hundred percent and continue to, to refine it, continue to, you know, enhance it. You know, that's a, obviously a big push we're trying to do on the business side. For hockey, I think you picked, I mean, again, I'm biased. It's my favorite sport, <laughs> but you picked the ultimate flow sport with, I don't know how many computations you have to make even in a minute, which seems crazy. And then you, and then you, you know, multiply that by 60 as a Olympian. Yeah. I'm watching hockey and I'm doing all this in my head. But again, what you're trying to do is take some of the guesswork out for not just me as a fan now, but the scouts and the coaches and the players and, and the, the, the whole league, if you will, and not just the NHL, but, you know, hockey players in general, I know we've talked about helping women's athletes and, and, you know, maybe collegiate athletes and international athletes, but you're really just adding sophistication to what we all have to do every day. Correct. I mean, that's, you're, you're the money ball for hockey. And and I mean, I think the nice thing about hockey um, and touching on women is it's such a strong women's game as well. And, you know, we had a call about women's hockey, about body contact and hits. And I mean, they're aggressive. Like it is a very good product of hockey because sometimes you get like, oh, it's not the same as men's hockey because they don't allow hits, but the element you, you never saw me play then. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. But I feel like when someone makes that statement, they probably haven't watched a women's hockey or at least totally. not US Canada. So I love hockey because not only is it super international, which I'm very passionate about traveling, seeing other countries, understanding business worldwide. I think, you know, through my company, I see myself increasing my skill set just as a businesswoman, as someone in tech. Um, outside of that. And I feel like if I was in a lot of other sports, I wouldn't be exposed to that mm-hmm. as well, being able to work on women's hockey. So I actually did uh, the Olympics for CBC in Pyeongchang. I went there. I had lived pre- previously in Korea. So kind of a random fact about me, but I was able to return and I did as much work on women's hockey as I did on men. So that was one of my ultimate, you know, accomplishments in the first 10 years as athletes. But I think going back to that, we see, you know, people heavily stepping up to invest in women's sports because they see that gap. They see half the population are women, you know, over 40% of fans of these men's leagues are women as well. So why don't we want to watch our own sport or our own people play sports? And I think the answer is, and a lot of investors think we do, right? There's great products uh, and even Men, young men, you know, they want to bring their kids to watch women's sports. It's more accessible in terms of like, you go to a Leafs game, you pay 300 bucks a ticket. You can see an Olympian, you know, for free at a, at a local arena. That's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very entertaining and great hockey. So I think that COVID, it was like a great break for people to reevaluate where their money is going and seeing these oversaturated markets that are, you know, more entertainment than even sport throw it back into, you know, something that's currently undervalued, like women's hockey, I think they're, they're going to be the real winners in five years. 
Yeah. Preaching the choir here. I, lo- I love I love not to get on a soapbox. No, 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 but I but again, let's take the time because um I agree, you know, we we're I, I love obviously women's sports, startup sports, any of these that are more nimble and you 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 actually I believe will get a bit better return on investment because we're all again the market is oversaturated. We talk about that a lot with the fluid fan is when times are going well, you invest more in your sort of your cash cow, if you will, but you're limiting the opportunity for other sports, other ways that, you know, again, sport is evolving. And I certainly see women's sports as that next frontier. Three, three, I think it's three or 4% of uh, sponsorship dollars and media exposure is on women. And that's just, well, no, no duh that people are watching women's sports. Yes. You need to give it to them. Yes. Uh, you need to invest in it. So uh, I, I thank you for what you, you did in Pyeongchang. I actually, I think I'll, I get to give the medals there. So you, you know, I don't oh, know wow. if you, can, you can, you can, you know, do any statistics <laughs> on the, the, how well of a job I did handing the medals out, but yeah, that was a, an amazing event. And actually um, the one interesting thing about Pyeongchang that a lot of people didn't know, I think it was a Swiss company, but they actually had a uh, puck and player tracking on the players yeah. at the time too. So sometimes people think, oh, it's the future and this and that. Well, they've been doing it for years, you know, totally. it's like location-based tracking. So that will be something that I think will be, you know, off the athlete in the next five years, there's better ways to track at, you know, to track just locations. But that's something that I, I never want to like pick a Twitter fight or say like, this is actually not that interesting. But that was, uh, you know, an application where I actually saw both the puck and player tracking and then also like event type data, which we collect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we're making, I mean, Dave Lahansky from the NHL, he, you know, he's on our leadership board. He talks about that a lot. It, you know, there's a lot of innovations happening. This is one of, of many, obviously the player and puck tracking. And it's, to me, that's also for, for fandom, right? We talk again, this is the fluid fan podcast. Um, how is this data going to be used either stat leads data or data in general for the fan? Cause again, I, there's the sports betting application, which is obvious. There's the, right statistical overlays in your, your OTT or your broadcast. There's, there's a number of ways that this data is not just valuable to the athlete, to the trainer, to the coach, the scout, the GM, et cetera, but the fan. Right. And walk those that haven't, you know, really thought about this market opportunity, what that looks like in the future. Yeah. I think the fans a huge, um, you know, segment with that said, there's a lot more fans to deal with than just selling back to teams or players, right. A, a B2B type approach versus this B2C where you're trying to capture the attention, uh, the interest. And I feel like everything out there right now is trying to get us to spend money. Right. So obviously sports gambling, sure. It's easy. It's a big market. People like, you know, interacting with it, but I think as fandom changes, for example, like you know, players leave your favorite teams. How do you track them? How do you know what's going on? You know, how do you follow along in their journey? Well, data is one of the ways to do that. So I see that even with women's sports, you know, if we don't have the data on what these athletes are doing, a lot of people who don't show up on a traditional box score, their history is lost beyond a game Mm -hmm. tape. Uh, So I think data is a very important part of even just historical uh, measures and understanding what the game was like, what players were like, and how they transition, whether it's over an aging curve or how they, you know, play from team to team, like even quality of competition. Like I said, hockey is a very international sport. So if someone comes from Russia, 
from the KHL to play in the NHL. Well, there's a lot of different styles of games and tactics. And, you know, it's very interesting to see uh, players uh, either adapt or, you know, change um, from different environments. So I think data can, you know, illuminate a lot of that. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I, I just thought about, I'm, I'm doing a project right now looking at women's hockey over the last three decades and uh, trying to, you know, think through with some other leaders in the space who the best athletes were. <laughs> yeah, It's so hard because we don't have all the data. We're, you exactly. know, trying to remember back and that gut feeling. And again, what I think you're, you're doing is, is, is making it objective for these fan debates, you know, water cooler <laughs> discussions, but also for the GMs that are making big, big decisions. I know your brother, you know, has been in, been in that hot seat for a while. Where, where do you think this will head? Uh, we, we talk a lot about athlete driven media. Uh, I think there's a world in which the athlete is like obsessed with everything you're creating that, that hockey athlete. Um, but they're also, they want to brag about their highlights, their block shots, maybe the things that don't typically get um, recorded or talked right. about in the news um, that, you know, a defensive defenseman defensive for <laughs> great yeah, yeah we're player in the clutch like yeah how do you describe yeah. that all right do you i know you've been thinking about models like that and and coming up with you know ways to visualize that is that again a, a piece of of the puzzle that you're that you're actively thinking about right now yeah absolutely because i think you know in the past people have historically marketed at their fan base and they typically know a lot of things about the players so you know, they know who's, who that defensive forward is. But if you're trying to attract new fans, I really think you need to like educate and excite people, right? So, you know, I think you can use data as a conduit to that and have them understand and engage. And, you know, we see people outside of their market now be fans of whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs or the LA Kings, you know, you'll meet someone in Minnesota that likes either. Um, and you have to think of how to connect with them because they can't show up at your arena they maybe can't even get your game, right? Uh, so I think, uh, you know, using data to your advantage to allow fans to understand how players are and how they piece together, I think that's really cool and interesting. And a lot yeah. of people are more and more into to money ball and understanding it. So making that more palatable for like the everyday person that maybe doesn't have a stats background, I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the staples of fluid fandom is that you follow players over properties. And in a complex, confusing sport like hockey, where some fans are just trying to figure out where the puck is, to <laughs> yeah. actually, you know, break apart. Here are the players that you might want to follow. Here's why in a deeper way than just like goals and assists. Absolutely. It's really interesting to me. And then, and then uh, I think as a follow-up on that, I mean, the data is, I think, again, just going to be so powerful in the future from, a, uh, you talked about, we, we talk about fluid fan behaviors and right. what are you trying to do in this case? It's teach it's, it's allow the fan to learn. And, you know, we, we do a whole behavioral series and what you're building right now is absolutely one of those companies. That's like actually allowing the fan to learn. If you want fans to be more engaged they, what are you trying to get them to do? In this case, it's like, well, if you learn about the player, you know about the player. And look, NBC does it well. They do the storytelling. But yes, there are fans out there that just want to know, like, why do I care about this player? What is it about them, the performance right. in the clutch, if you will, that you're you're actually able to, to show, uh, which I love. <laughs> yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the NBA even made jerseys that you could, like, you know, scan with your iPhone and it would show all the stats for the players. So totally. 
you know, there'll be elements of like wearable fandom that will include data that will be updated, refreshed. You know, they can even like tap their buddy who's wearing, you know, someone else's hockey jersey. So I think there'll be a lot more like interactivity with data um, and less like this is traditional media. We're just going to read off a stat line and believe us. Yeah, cool. I love it. Listeners, go follow Megan on Twitter. I I love looking at your tweets. You're, you're <laughs> someone that I'm always harding, if you will, or liking. Megan Chica and his at Megan Chica. The one thing I love too is again, you, you mentioned it before, but you're you're always advocating for women in sports. You, like myself, know the difficulties of being a female executive in the sports industry. Um, and you're you you welcome that challenge. You're, you know, you kind of I think it, it, it's almost like a badge. You, you, <laughs> you, you know, you continue to get these amazing awards and, and be a, a, a big vocalist for that. What are the challenges that you're seeing in hockey, being a woman in this space that you're, you know, willing to share and, and, you know, maybe some positive note of, of, uh, <laughs> of, of where, where we should head. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges for a lot of different groups. So you know, I know I have a lot of privilege and I'm I'm still like, you know, it's not too hard for me as a white woman in hockey. With that said, on the executive side, for sure, there's a, you know, a lot of pushback in terms of, you know, who I am, how I look. And I think about that a lot in terms of what we can change and how we can actually take action. Because I think a lot of people talk about it, you know, we host these like, ESPN women's conferences and have all this, but it's like, what's the actual tangible, you know, action the everyday person can do. So I thought, you know, for me, a lot of it is about amplifying people's voices. So whether it's like following them on social, and like you said, liking their, their content, retweeting, engaging, even the media, I feel like they don't profile enough up and coming women executives. And they're out there, you know, they're doing great things. They just don't necessarily get the clicks that another you know, Leafs article gets so people shy away from it. But I think if you have more major voices, um, you know, touching on some of these women, I think it's surprising uh, in hockey how many great people could be up for huge jobs and are ready to be executives. And for me, as you know, I love recommending, you know, bright women that I know that, you know, deserve chances at either different roles or, you know, to be profiled. So anytime that I'm asked for recommendations, I always try to have a gender balance. I think of, you know, a couple men, a couple women, and that's just the framework that I work in no matter what I'm doing. And I think when you start doing that, you realize how easy it is to find awesome women. Like that's the the mindset changes. And some people Mm -hmm. are like, oh, the best candidate. Well, how do you define the best candidate? Because let me tell you, you know, you've gone to Harvard, you have this, you have that. There's a huge checklist that a lot of men can't stack up to not even close. So I think the best candidate is a fallacy. I think there's all sorts of amazing candidates out there. And for me working in tech, you know, people can't fire me. I'm the boss, right? So it's like a very powerful position to be in. I don't take it it for granted one day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I try to use it as, you know, for as much good as I can, for as many people as I can, and for as many women that I do see struggling. And you know, I have those down days where I struggle. I wonder why I'm in it. I was in different environments before in very corporate world. And I was treated very differently for better and for worse. So I try to take the energy of how do I change the market? How do I become that change agent myself? And one of the steps that I can not only take myself, but tell other people when they ask. 
Well, thank you for what you do. I know you're uh, you're very vocal and leading the way with stat leads and you know visionary in our in our space. So appreciate all you do for for the game of hockey, for data and analytics in general, but also specifically for women and executive women. Because your point of, by the way, name two women with two men. Harvard Business School had an article or study that talked about, you know, if you actually nominate equal men and women and you interview equal men and women, then gender gets erased from the the implicit bias that we all have actually gets erased. If you nominate one woman and you have four men, then it's actually obvious that she's the only woman in the room and you think gender first as opposed to just candidate. So I think you're like, I don't know if you knew that, but you're doing exactly what, you know, the the best (laughs) Harvard business school said, if you want to eliminate (laughs) bias, do this. So, so uh, uh, thank you. Turning quickly then before we wrap up, I want to talk about COVID and um, you didn't sit still you launched a digital conference series called Hockey Analytics Night in Canada. You know, Hockey Night Canada for those <laughs> Americans don't don't know. I know. Then obviously you were super active in the bubble, and uh, you know, you know, having to do this in that context. And then there was a quick turnaround with the NHL playoffs to the NHL uh, draft, and you had to, you know, everyone was. I'm sure relying on the data that you had to really help with that point in time. So you've had, you've been super busy, which is why we're, we're doing this podcast now. Walk us through COVID again, how it's impacted you, how it's impacted the league, and any key takeaways from the experience in the bubble or or the draft itself. I think COVID has been you know difficult on people for a lot of reasons. I think as a data and analytics company, especially operating you know in so many different countries in terms of having clients there. We've always been very good with like working, connecting, communicating remotely. And some of our staff already were doing flex hours and we allow people to work in whatever environment they think they get the best out of themselves. So we were already set up for like a COVID break to not be that bad in our company. And I can't imagine some of like, you know, the very conservative corporate companies did that well because, you know, they've never operated like that. So, you know, thank goodness that we're in that tech space that's a bit more nimble that you know, we try to have that work-life flex balance. So we were well prepared to like go, you know, 100% remote. But yeah, like you said, I mean, we did some projects on the COVID side for like PPE dashboards and we're trying to help in data in any way we could, even though we're in hockey, um, we kind of pitched in in Toronto. So that was pretty cool in terms of giving back and like working with different data sets. And if people say hockey is hard, try epidemiology, right? Try this like working with this unpredictable, seemingly ever-changing virus that we're chasing right now. So yeah, there there was a lot of good that I think it did for us as a company just by taking off our hockey hat and, and dabbling in another field. Uh, with that said, like you, you uh, touched on, I mean, you know, hockey changed too, right? A lot of uh, scouts can't travel. They have to rely either on game tape. A lot of times now they're relying on, on data, right? And and we became that much more popular and people that believed in what we do, how accurate our data is. Uh, we definitely have the most detailed data in hockey, no doubt about that. Um, so the people that are our clients have huge competitive advantages um, when they understand like what they're looking at and and able to get a lot more data on some of these people that are playing in, in smaller leagues, but, you know, still are charting to be, uh, you know, in the NHL. So we're able to do that without having to, you know, pay the flight to Russia or, 
a Minnesota high school game or wherever that, you know, person is. So the interesting thing is this year is, is about the same. I mean, some of these players will have gaps for the draft, you know, they won't have a played maybe even regulation games in a year. Right. So it'll be really interesting to see how heavy a lot of even very old school kind of classic scouts that you'd see in that Moneyball movie will have to adapt uh, to the new normal, which is, you know, players not, not having fans in the, in the stadium for, for the time being. So, yeah, I think if anything, COVID has made what we do that much more almost critically important for many of our clients, if not all. And I think we realized how important it was to understand um, what's going on, even on the medical side and, and in society as a whole. So like you alluded to at the start, I think data is everything, right? Making these decisions that are backed by facts by what actually happened, you know, allows you to have that much more success and that much more understanding into your decision-making process. I love it. Megan Chaika, the co-founder of StatLeads here uh, on the Fluid Fan Podcast, giving us the lowdown on data on, you know, hockey specifically, but, uh, you know, leveraging AI and, and, you know, computer vision and a number of things that, again, will ultimately help sport become smarter. We talk a lot about this on the business side, but you're doing it obviously on the on ice product side. So thank you for sharing your insights. Only before we turn it over to four questions with number four, are you going to look at some of my game tape from back in the day and, <laughs> and tell me what I, you know, what I was good at, what I was horrible at? I'd be super curious. Like, uh, Absolutely. we, we actually, uh, this is a true story. We, my coach used to give us stickers. I think you see this in a lot of football helmets for every blocked shot. And it okay. was a deal because, you know, you wanted those sticker. I mean, I didn't actually <laughs> like the stickers, but you know, you, you wanted to block a shot to get the recognition. And, and, you know, if you blocked one and no one saw it, you didn't get the sticker. And that was like one person's eyeball had to it. track like, it. So yeah, <laughs> um, it'd be fun actually, if you had pull one of my games up and just evaluate it for me and say, Absolutely. man, Angela, you were really good there, but <laughs> you were dogging it to the bench. I don't know. Um, All right. Well, thank you for being on. I never let my guests leave without providing some insight on uh, innovation in general. So this segment is four questions with number four. I want to hear your perspective on on this broad topic, but uh, if you can quickly summarize, what does innovation mean to you? I think, I mean, there's obviously very classic, you know, definitions of innovation, but for my purposes or what I see as innovation is like creating the future, right? Not just you know, theoretical, but actually how do you create something new, something that hasn't been seen before? Um, I think it's pretty, I, I don't know who quoted this, but I think they said it's, you know, common for people to claim they're innovative when actually they just have a lot of money, they're popular, they're successful, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not being innovative, right? It's just like throwing money and fire to an idea instead of actually creating uh, a new space, a new way to engage, whether it's in sports or, or other uh, environments. Love it. Do something that's never been done before. Who's the most innovative person in our industry? That's a great question. I don't even know. I mean, I struggled a bit with this innovation because I think very good innovators fail a lot. So I'm, I'm not sure if we even see some of the best innovators in our society, because I feel like failure isn't you know, looked at as a desirable outcome, but I feel like you're not creating something new if there's not a huge element of failure involved or downside risk. 
So I think we miss out on a lot of great people and people are, you know, rewarded to play safe. I would love to see more shakeups on that where they're like, hey, we tried this. Sure, it failed, but here's something cool that came out of it. You know, I'd love more uh, sports organizations, sports leagues to adopt that mindset. Yeah, recognize failure, which is like a hallmark of athletes and until you be until you're successful. But uh, (laughs) yeah, we we definitely shy away from that. And I love finding properties, as you mentioned, that have a minor league team or have a a, a league or or are willing to fail to, to find success. So so super, super interesting answer. Tell me then, you can't talk about yourself. What's a company that <laughs> you think is super innovative that we should all pay attention to in this space or or outside just uh, the business of sports? Well, the company that I like that's actually getting bought out now completely by Callaway is Top Golf. Mm-hmm. I think they completely changed what was an old, boring, conservative sport into something that anyone can play and do. And I actually love golf and I play golf, so I shouldn't say that about it, but I do think they turned golf on its head. And I think, you know, with COVID and people having to be outside to socialize, it'll, it'll be a huge, you know, even that much more growth uh, into the next two, three years. Awesome. Uh, and then finally, who's the most innovative league team federation? What's a property that you, uh, you, you look at? I guess you can't say the NHL though. <laughs> you or or team well, here, in the I'll, NHL. I'll, I'll say Unless NHL, you want to, go I'll for it. it. I'll say an NHL team. And part of the reason why is they're surrounded by tech. So it's mm-hmm. not really fair. It's kind of a lob ball that I, I'm being thrown with that. But I think Seattle is thinking about things differently, right? Whether it's their arena and how they're building that sustainably, or even how they build fans, what season ticket holders look like, uh, just reimagining the whole experience. But they can do that from ground zero. So they're in a very unique position that a lot of, you know, the original six haven't been able to have that break or stop or pause, whereas they can do anything that they know from the last a hundred years of hockey plus, plus, plus they can take that and make it that much better uh, in the next year. Yeah. And I always think about, cause we talked a little bit about startups and women's sports and undervalued assets, if you will, they have the nimbleness, the flexibility of the newness, which is what, you know, the Kraken have, uh, <laughs> Who, by the way, Cami Granado, one of my teammates, is a scout there. So totally. cheering for her. I think she's the her. first woman NHL scout, right? She is. Yeah, there she's bre- definitely breaking barriers. Um, yeah. And even that higher, again, like think outside the box. There's amazing talent that the traditional, there's the, just the traditional, the incumbent. It's in business, your hardest, the hardest thing to do is to get out of your own way or take a piece of your margin from a, the cash cow, the, the main product that grows your business and invest in something else, do something differently. It's again, a, a talk track we have all the time with innovation is how do we think outside of the box? How do we invest in things that aren't right now profitable, but in the long term? Um, and, and the Kraken, I wonder how much of it is the executive leadership or just a state of they're new and they're allowed to get out of the long-term contracts. They don't have any restrictions as they're building it from scratch. Not maybe not specifically with Seattle, but just in general, if you have any. Yeah. And I mean, I think Seattle, you look at them like Tim Lewicki was with MLSC and saw the Raptors go from like, you know, selling tickets at shoppers drug Mart, which is like a small, like, well, not small, but pharmacies that we have in Canada. So literally couldn't sell tickets for 20 bucks yep. to being world champions. I mean, after he left, but still like there's people at the helm of that, that have built or seen, or, you know, been with huge brands. So the amount of knowledge they're taking into like 
let's make this like world-class. Totally. I think, you know, it's a pleasure to see that in the, in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. I think the NHL is going to benefit from the, the Lywicki brothers, uh, Francesca Bodie. I'll give her a shout out. She's key in the building and, uh, at Oakview group and what they're doing. So yeah, I did Seattle. I'm for a number of reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A number of reasons I'm, I'm tracking them. Um, and they have a cool logo. So anyway, thank you so much, Megan, for being on, uh, again, Megan Chica, follow, follow her on, on Twitter, on, uh, go to her website, check out, uh, you know, uh, if, is there anything you want to, before we go share with, uh, with everyone to follow you or make sure that they're paying attention to stat leads? I guess uh, we're hosting a hackathon shortly and it's actually with women's hockey data. So I'll nice. have uh, all the, all right, invite me. I love it. Yeah, exactly. We need to have <laughs> you, uh, as uh, to help with it, but yeah, so we're doing that in the next month, kind of in the, the gap that we have right now with the NHL down, I thought it was a good time to, you know, work with, uh, some data. So look for that as well, both on our website and it will be on my Twitter too. Perfect. All right. Statleads.com is the website. Um, Thanks again for being on the Fluid Fan Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So big thanks again to my guest, the incredible Megan Chaika, co-founder of Statleads for coming on the show today. Her team at Statleads is really changing the way teams look at data players uh, making obviously data-driven decisions. That's what we're all about here at Sports Innovation Lab. I hope you all enjoyed listening to her perspective and knowledge on the analytics and collection market that is beginning to take over the hockey world. And as you heard, especially during COVID with travel constraints, limited games, data is really powerful. Not to say, again, a good coach with a good gut, you, you know, you want you know, the old hockey player in me, you want that coach that really understands hockey and intuition, but, but arm them with data. So again, it's not just their gut. It's, it's, it's data driven decisions. So that nice, healthy balance between knowing the game, understanding the game, but giving them more to look at. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why I love these companies. They're helping those experts become better experts. So that's really my, my, my takeaway today. Um, But I think as you heard in the interview, she hit the nail on the head when she mentioned how fandom is also changing with data and how valuable it's going to become to fluid fans as they want to better understand the athletes that they're watching. It'll create a deeper relationship with them, certainly on the betting side. But overall, if you can understand the complexity of these athletes, understand the art of these athletes and what they're doing in a way that the human eye can't. Again, better appreciation equals more engagement equals better fluid fans. So love talking, obviously, her passion for women's sports, her her advocacy in particular with women's hockey, my sport, and what she did in Pyeongchang. And certainly look for her in the future. She'll be someone that uh, we should all follow. To close, I want to thank my producer, Jack Barlow, as well as my entire team at Sports Innovation Lab. Thanks for what you guys are doing back at the lab, uh, helping our clients stay ahead of the game and work through a very challenging time for this industry. Again, we started this company really trying to help them push forward and there isn't a better time to have my team really thinking about that than now when everyone has to think about innovation and changing their behaviors and adopting new solutions to weather this storm and come out of it uh, stronger, better, faster. This, as the saying goes, don't waste a good crisis. You know, not that I want to belittle the situation, but I'm bullish on anyone that is really saying, look, I'm not just going to put my head in the sand during this. 
I'm going to really think differently. I'm going to listen to the Fluid Fan podcast. I'm going to talk to industry experts. Um, I'm going to ask for budget, even though budget is scarce, to, to reinvent ourselves. We're seeing that certainly across the industry. That nimbleness, that ability to think outside of the box, to change the way that we've always done things is what's required right now and will make us all stronger. Um, we'll certainly, my hope, make the sports industry stronger. Um, so that's my parting thought to you all, my listeners, about you guys can do it. I know it's hard, but anything good in life is hard. So I wish you all the best. We're here. Sports Innovation Lab is here. Reach us, um, info at sportsilab.com if you need any help with any of your, your data, your strategy. We're, we think about this market every single day. So by closing, just say thanks to my listeners. Again, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn at Sports iLab. Subscribe to our show, even better. iTunes, SoundCloud, or Anchor have us. Leave, leave me a review. Tell me what you like, what guests you might want on future shows. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Angela Ruggiero, I'll see you next time on the Fluid Fan Podcast. Thank you.